to another episode of Those Good Old Fashioned Values, the first and hopefully last Family Guy analysis podcast on the internet. I am joined, as usual, by my hosts, Andy, a.k.a. XAnarchoAnon on Twitter, and Ty, at Bobo underscore Circus. And joining us today is our first guest, a cast member of the show, uh, Seamus. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I have uh, I've chosen to subject myself to this wonderful analysis. And uh, I hope that uh, I can provide some uh, some, um, mu- some much needed perspective. Spencer, before we start recording, I do want to note that this guy does not sound like a pirate, and I just want to know what's up with that. Yeah, did I, you, uh, yeah, did you get sure. the wrong guy? Yeah, I'm also, I'm also confused by the announcement tweet. Uh, what what is oh, with the peg leg guy? His name is Seamus. Is his name Seamus on yes, the show? Yes, his name yeah. is Seamus on the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, we are actually joined by uh, Seamus. I swore to myself I was going to learn how to pronounce your last name correctly, but I did not do it. So, um, Seamus Malakafzali? Pretty much. Uh, Seamus Malakafzali. Okay, I did be- I did better than Brace, I think. You, you did better than Brace and Felix, who Felix just gave up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you did you did pretty well. Uh, Seamus Malakafzali. Well, we take a hard line against racism on this show, unlike a lot of leftists. <laughs> Seamus is a reporter and a journalist and uh, one of my oldest Twitter mutuals, most importantly. And he has joined us today to talk about season two of Family Guy. So, Seamus, before we get into, like, you know, the meat of the season, why don't you give your introduction to Family Guy? Like, what's your history with the show and what was what was your experience watching this season like? Uh, Family Guy has been... It wasn't a staple growing up. Um, very traditionally, I think a lot of people relate. Uh, in school, there were the cool kids who were allowed to watch Family Guy, and every time you were like, maybe you were in line for lunch, you would hear them describe the episodes to you, and it would be completely disconnected. But it, it sounded cool. Like there's this crazy television show on that I can't watch. Um, my my first experience watching it was an episode from season two back when I was a very small child. I want to say it was around eight or nine. Uh, it was only a frame. It was from uh, the boom, uh, where the first I believe it's the first chicken fight. Yes, with Peter yeah. we'll get into that. But yeah, yeah, I saw a frame of that, and I was I was I was very intrigued. Uh, but I didn't watch Family Guy for a while afterward. But uh, around I want to say I was twelve years old. I started watching it pretty regularly. Um, it used to be on Netflix. And I watched pretty much all the seasons up until a certain point, I think, when it gets into double digits, I trail off. But I, I'm very familiar with the series. I'm very familiar with its characters, with the storylines, with as many uh, intricacies, as well as Seth MacFarlane's career. However, I had not rewatched it in a very long time since I was in high school. And rewatching it again was, um, I was, I was, um, I was talking to this girl that I'm talking to, uh, Kirsten. Uh, hi, Kirsten, if you're listening to this, um, but why would you? There's, um, I, I described it as like there's a black void and all of the, all of the amalgamations of everything that has happened in this season, it's all been crushed together in a, in a solid, perfect cube. But inside it's this terrifying mess of 
parts that shouldn't go together, and it's and it's horrifying, and there's screams emanating from it, and you have to look at that for hours and hours, and that is my that is me trying to recollect what I saw in season two. So I thought season two was pretty good. God, I, I season two is good technically, but if you were to add, but it all blends together for me. It, it, it's it's a very there, there's very very little that's distinctive. I guess in any yeah. way, good or bad. And and you know what's funny? This season has way more personality than season one does. So just like, even though it's only seven episodes, yeah, that, that season, season was was really a trial at points. Season one. If that season was twenty one episodes, I do not think we would be doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think we'd have to cheat with that season. It was kind of rough, but season two, I uh, Seamus, you're not entirely wrong. This entire show is kind of a eldritch void of sorts, and I think that binging the show, I mean, I try to do like three episodes a night for research, but doing more than that, like, very healthy, becomes a sort of maddening experience. If you've seen my Twitter posts about Family Guy, it's probably after I watched like four or five episodes. I watched, I watched all 21 in one I, day. I also <laughs> watched all 21 in one day. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's kind of why, where I got the black void oh metaphor from. It was it was incredibly difficult. So can we describe? Because Seamus, you and I, and I think Andy might have, we came at this differently from Spencer in that we watched all of them pretty much back to back. And did you feel like you contracted Stockholm syndrome by like episode thirteen or so? No, no, no. Well, no. I didn't watch it back to back, but I watched it over like okay. three days. Yeah, because I um, just finished. I started watching the season like ten o'clock on Friday night, and I finished like eleven o'clock last night. Um, so there was a point by about I, I want to say yeah, like episode thirteen or fourteen, where I didn't laugh at any of the jokes, but. I felt them in me and it felt like it felt like <laughs> Family Guy had kept me in a basement for 24 hours and then given me like a cup of yogurt. Like Yeah, well that that's like I I would die for this season of Family Guy. That's the thing about Family Guy. Like as like even the early pre-cancellation seasons you could feel this. This is not a show that was meant to be binged and you can tell that by like Oh no. with how like much focus there is on cutaways and stuff. It's like this show is meant to be watched in small birds. That's why YouTube compilations do well. Because you don't watch hours of Family Guy. You just watch a few jokes back to back. It's good. It's good. Watching an entire season over a day is like a hellish nightmare. I could not do that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really bothered by how nothing connects with the rest of the story. Yes. That... I, 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 I Some episodes are less bad than others, but I can see where you're coming from. Well, I mean, that is that is a big thing about this season that I think separates it from the first season and even more recent stuff is that this feels to me like the most kind of hack and slash comedy season. We talked about that a little bit last episode, but like there will be entire scenes in this season that are like built around a single joke and last maybe 30 seconds and then it skips to another scene. And that is, I mean, they might do it in like season three or four, but I, that is kind of unique in all of the Family Guy that I've seen. Like, just having scenes that exist for a joke and then not building, like, any more jokes into it. And and I think that kind of lends to the perception that it, it feels like you're, like, on 
Adderall. Like you, you know, it, 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 it is bam, 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 bam. And more so than I think any other time in its history. I wanted to dive in and say that the first indication I got that this season was going to be different was, you know, first episode and they arrive at this big mansion and then immediately this big bombastic musical number starts. Yes. And I'm like... Yep, that's that's the Seth MacFarlane I know. That's Seth Mac yeah, he loves his musical numbers, and you know what? I'm with him on that. I like yeah, it when shows do musical numbers. They got the bu I assume they got like a bigger budget, so they finally got the chance to indulge in Seth MacFarlane, one of the four things he seems to like, um, which is, you know, musical numbers. And while I was taking notes for the show, I wrote down Ty, you mentioned on the season one episode that, you know, this show has a reputation for being like frat trash, like even in its early days, and it was like I love how Seth MacFarlane tricked a bunch of, like, dumb frat guys into getting really into old show tunes. Yes, I, I, it's one of my I favorite things about that. the show. I have a soft spot for almost every Brian and Stewie musical number. Yeah, well, I mean, that we're not going to talk about that episode. Uh, I know Road 2 is one of the most beloved episodes, but we have, like, a special episode set aside for that entire series. But I do want to say that I feel in my heart that the basis of that episode wasn't to explore the relationship between Brian and Stewie more. And it wasn't to do, you know, some like Simpsons-esque, you know, a plot with higher emotional stakes. I think it was literally just he wanted a chance to harmonize with himself. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, and he's a good singer. Yeah. Like, that, he's like, a very good singer. He's a, he's a good singer, but the issue is that Seth, you could talk for hours about this, but Seth McFarlane, like, my issue with him is that he knows he is the shit, yes. but he knows he's the shit. Yeah. And it, it bleeds over into yeah. everything that he does, and it's very... Will, yeah. William Wordsworth described uh, the poetic ego test, the idea that the poem is very much an extension of the artist, and that what what readers draw from it is innately connected to that. And I think Seth understands that a little bit too well. Yeah. So I, um, we got a bulk of our discussion last time talking about, you know, the characters and the way that they, you know, change from season to season. So I guess we should just dive right into that. And I just want to say that we'll have like, you know, criticisms of the season, obviously, and we'll have problems with it. But I want to say that across the board, I think that pretty much all the characters, I think, improve this season you all can describe me maybe not maybe some of the minor side characters stay the same but i would agree every single one of the griffins had better jokes and felt more three-dimensional yes um Th there was a little tiny bit of weirdness i think when they brought my lacunas on where she was still getting comfortable with meg but i think maybe from episode five on just broadly yes every griffin was better don't they don't they switch her out like after the first episode they still have the same voice actor from the first there's season. like one episode it's the one with norm mcdonald where it switches back to the actor from the first season and then Lacey um, okay yeah uh yeah um, i, I think mean, the they... original voice actress had to give up because she was in school and the show was detract distracting too much from her homework yeah i think That's... she was like 17 when season one came out yeah. Lacey ship Lacey ship yeah, was she 17 at the time? I think really? so. Yeah, I think she so. might have been 18, but I think she was very much like a teenager when she got casted. I just I just remember her being in a bunch of um, teen movies at the time. That makes sense. Uh, around that same period. Since in the first season, it's very, you know, just generic teen girl stuff. Yeah, but no, I mean, once Myla Kunis, I think, got a little bit more comfortable with Meg, every single Griffin was better. No question. Yeah. I wanted to say that with Stewie, I was like waiting for the first, you know, implication that Stewie's gay. And I forget which episode, but it's the one where, you know, it's the reality TV episode. And like they do like, you know, the, the, the sort of parody one -on -one of like interviews. Yeah. interviews. And as soon as he said, you know, 
You know, maybe I'm a homosexual. I was like, no, wouldn't it be marvelous if I turned out a homosexual? Yes. When he said that, I was like, that's it. There it is. He's gay now. Yes. <laughs> and they kind of imply that more and more as the season goes on. And I've, you know, I've started season three. We won't talk about that, but they're leaning it even into it even harder. And I'm glad they did because as we discussed, season one, Stewie kind of sucks. Yes. I think this is a very good middle ground for Stewie because he's he's more flamboyant, he's smarter, but he has more range. He can still he's still like a snarky asshole, but he also is making like jokes like the um the Incredible Hulk piano joke. I, I really like that. There's a lot more variety of Stewie. If anything, I feel like this Stewie kind of cuz I think Stewie goes through a couple evolutions as the show goes on. This one feels like he's just kind of like an old man. Like like yeah. he's, you know, Kind of like a persnickety old British guy, which I think really does work for him, even though they still kind of lean on the supervillain stuff, like, at points throughout the season. And they, and they do still, even Modern Family Guy, lean on the British stuff, but it's a very yes. different British Stewie. Um, yeah. One thing, before we move on from Stewie, though, one thing I do want to bring up that I thought was kind of weird is that... I think more so than any character except for maybe Peter, this season really wants you to know that Stewie comes. Like, he has sex, and, like, he's good at it, and he comes a lot. And I don't know how that makes me feel because he's a baby, and I get that that's maybe part of the joke, but did you guys notice that, like... Yeah, I did. I did. To be fair, to be fair, that is nothing new. Stewie's horniness just is a consistent reoccurring joke for this series. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just I just want I just want to mention I just want to mention I just want to cut in here. I, I know this is not a, a, like a, a not tread subject, but God, the entire character of Stewie makes me uncomfortable, and Seth MacFarlane's writing for him makes me deeply like uncomfortable. Like there's a whole episode in the later season where he has he tries to have sex with a teen girl. Yeah, I oh, think. Oh god! Man, a lot of Griffins try to have sex with Connie, don't they? I I hate I hate I I it it deeply disturbs. Yeah, and then she the way that episode that episode ends is that he gets like her arrested for like statutory. Yeah, and that's not even going into the real fucked up Stewie. Like modern, like remember we're gonna talk a lot when we get to season. Remember when Stewie got pregnant? Time Stewie tries to get pregnant with Brian's babies. Can we talk about? Yeah. Oh god, stop, stop, stop! We don't need to talk about this. Just keep, need to keep going. (laughs) I don't want to talk about this. Remember when Um, Stewie made Brian eat his shit? Oh god. Okay, we're we're gonna move on from Stewie before. Let's go to Brian. Uh, Brian, I'm already, they're kind of leaning off the Brian as Peter's sidekick, basically. He's much more of a bachelor this season. Yeah, and he, he starts to gravitate more towards Stewie already. And yes. again, that's good. Because Which is a good choice, yeah. There's very good, um, uh, interplay between the two, like even this early on. And it sort of brings out a new dimension in both characters. Like it kind of awakens the vulnerability in uh, Brian and also like the hidden emotional depth of Stewie. I think it was actually like genuinely really great call on the show writer's part to pair the two together. Yeah. I mean, that relationship is the most popular duo in, in the show. Like, I mean, for good no reason. Question. Yeah. I also want to say, like, on Ryan, I, I think this is a very good balance for Ryan because I think you could push a little more far in the Bachelor direction, but I like that we're, we're sort of getting there. He's still smart. He's still sophisticated. But he's allowed to get drunk now. He's allowed to date women. You know, he's allowed to be selfish. It's, it's. I'm, I'm liking these these traits, but I think they do go a little too far later. What, what did we think about his therapist? The, the, I thought it was interesting. I, I don't know if I particularly like it. It felt kind of prestige TV in yeah. a way that I wasn't a huge fan of. But I mean, it's it's an interesting choice. It's like better than having him just lounge around the house and be snarky at Peter. Like 
At least yeah. they're trying something. And, you know, we'll talk about it more with Lois, but I, I, th- I think it's also his relationship with Lois is interesting as a conflict but it's also like they never really went anywhere meaningful with it did they like they just kind of dropped it they did more with quagmire about that than they did with brian so one thing about brian that i want to bring up and i don't know if you guys noticed it i i talked about it a little bit in our planning dm he he is surprisingly queenie in in this season a little bit yeah yeah i and i think it's just maybe a matter of because they're making him more an intellectual than he is maybe towards the end you know he's an ivy leaguer he went to brown he's like i think genuinely they make reference to him being a good writer in this which is so funny when you consider where they go with him but like there's a lot of stuff where he he's kind of you know at the sidelines with the martini kind of tittering about something like the where, where it really hit me for the first time i think is uh i think it's in the boom where he's doing the truman capote impression and it's like spot on but it's like but, yeah, it, but it's, it's yeah, very much yeah. like i want to say it's bad but it's it's interesting and i i think that it is a lot different from later brian who's just like my dad i think it's also interesting how a lot of that queeniness ended up running rubbing off on stewie yeah no i that makes sense yeah we last season we talked about how awful Chris's character was. Uh, do we think he improved at all? Or Seamus? So you don't have any um, you don't have any like experience with season one or any recent experience. What what was your thoughts on Chris this season? Oh, I hate Chris. <laughs> I, I I don't like Chris at all. I I, 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 I never like Chris as a character, but I especially don't like him now. Um, he's very annoying. He doesn't have any redeemable character traits. He's I guess I, I remember the uh, the art. The, uh, where they uh, they try to make him into um, and like an artist called uh, what is it? Christabel. What's his name? Christabel. Yeah, they were trying to make Christabel, and the whole thing is that Chris wants the um, the approval of his father, but that's I think the only episode where that's kind of brought up. It's not like a long stand. That's a lot of season one, Chris. Okay. Okay. Either way. Either way. It, it's a. I don't, it, it it speaks to my larger problem with Family Guy is that. These characters are horrible, and they don't deserve the sentimentality. No, they that, don't. A lot. The, the forced sentimentality in the episode where they try to wrap everything up, and it's that, this and that. Um, Which is but, why they like undercut it so much, usually with like a joke. Yeah, but but the, but the, the the same the same like the same mechanisms are still there to to at least force it. I mean, and to contrast it with maybe a show like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where the characters are similarly horrible. But you want to go with these characters because they don't they don't succeed, but they don't fail, but it still backfires on constantly and there's no cement. I, I, I look at it as like um for an animated comparison, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where it, it constantly blows up in their face at the end of the episode and it's always great because of that. Yeah, even even like South Park, which, you know, another misanthropic show, they like they realized that they were doing that force sentimentality stuff a lot around like season six or whatever, and it's like you know, guys, I'm realizing that I'm giving a lot of these gay speeches a lot, and I don't want to do it, but, which, you know, still works better than Family Guy, which they'll, like, have, like, the forced resolution to bring everyone together, and then they'll just, like, quickly undercut it with a joke. And I, I can think of a few episodes where we're going to talk about this a lot later down the road, but yeah. um, one thing, go, going back to Chris a little bit, I agree yeah. Chris is not good this season, but the difference between season one Chris and season two Chris is that Chris has a few good jokes in here that more reflect modern Chris. Like, the Denny's joke in Daboom sticks out to me. I like yeah. that joke. Oh, that's a good joke. It's a good joke. Yeah. It's a good joke. We can settle down here and build a house just like we had in Quahog. Yeah, and we can build a mall so I have a place to hang out. And two Denny's so we can always say, let's not go to that one. Let's go to the good one. Like, he has 
He's he has a few good jokes, but I would still say he's the weakest Griffin this season. Yeah, he he's still not a strong character. Yes. Yeah. He is vast. So yeah, no, he's not good, one. but like it's anything's better than season one. Season Chris. one Chris was awful. Yeah. He gets the most um, improved. Meg also, uh I feel like this is sort of you know, I think the modern incarnation of Meg, I think I like the most, honestly, but like this is like a pretty good middle ground where Meg's like Because we still haven't gone the world hates yeah. Meg yet like you did in the middle seasons, and that's the worst take on Meg. So it's it's like, yeah. oh, this is this is nice. Meg is allowed to just be Meg, you know, and not like the most put upon yeah. desperate character in the world. But, but I do think they find a good balance because she is put upon. Like, I, I think this season is kind of the first where we see, like, oh, she's genuinely, you know, kind of frumpy and unpopular. But they don't hammer it in, and I think that is a good... I think for if you're making Meg a character and not a punchline, which I think both have advantages and disadvantages, but I think, like, as I a think, character, yeah. that is probably the best thing. I think is better is probably just Mia Lacunas talked to the writers and was just like, can we cut this down a little bit? Like, it's getting a bit much. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so, since, again, like, I would hope you know, so. Seamus, you won't see it, but, like, I mean, you can probably remember around, like, season, like, eight or so, like, Meg would just show up to just season get, like, eight, punched in the face. Doesn't like, she get shot at gets... a certain point? By Peter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a cut, well, that's in a cut. Still, still, still. Since we're, you know, we're kind of trying to wrap up the first half, I just want to say, you know, let's quickly go over, you know, any other observations on the characters we have so far and thoughts on the season as a whole. Andy, how about you? Uh, just quickly running down characters. Lois, I like how she changed. She's more of her modern self, more bitchy, more conniving, like in the uh, the, mute, the piano episode. Like, I, I sort of like that yeah. a bit more. She's a bit less sitcom mom. Peter, I felt, was the least changed. Peter felt very similar to his season one self. There were some moments where I saw Peter change, and I, but I think broadly, he, he's still kind of the anchor. The, the show and, and changed a bit in a good much. way, I think, because there were less Peter-centric episodes yes. and less, like, episodes where Peter lies. How is he going to get out of this jam? Which is, like, just such an awful All format. of season one. All of yeah. season one is that. Going over the side characters, I don't think any of the side characters meaningfully changed this season. Like... Joe, Quagmire, and Cleveland still feel the same. Joe, I will say that Joe, like, his, like, loser self. He's a bit louder, yeah. Uh, and he get, gets more stuff to do, but that's about it. But what I do like about how season, is that season two, you can definitely see the show start to actually consistently use its side characters. Because season one, it was like, we don't really know who the main other characters are. Whereas this, like, you have, you know, Adam West, the greatest Family Guy side character of all time, show up. Yes. Um, you have some of the other Peter Schmitz more. You have... Um, Dr. Hartman. You have Principal Shepard. Like, Quahog is a yeah. place with, a, with like various people you know instead of just a bunch of nobodies. And I liked that. Also, we do get the best character in the show who's yeah, no, Patty uh, Panager, the Seamus, You know, obviously it's been a while since you've seen season one, but I know you had trouble with this season, but did you see any character developments or comparisons to later seasons that you liked? I, uh, ooh. I, I, like, I like Peter slightly more than I did in other seasons. I'm appreciative of the fact that Quagmire is barely in it. Because for, for those who may not have seen uh, the rest of Family Guy in his latest seasons, I mean, Quagmire is obviously like an insane, not just like a sex freak, he's an actual like, I want to say a rapist. He's an actual yes. rapist. And yeah. there's also there's also a weird episode where he's like half Japanese and he commandeers a kamikaze plane and threatens to kill Peter and 
And Joe. Well, that was a joke. No, but it was a joke, but also he almost did it. Yeah. The, the, Joe. I, I just, I like the fact that Quagmire is not in it that much. Yeah. Joe is kind of a minor side character. I'm appreciative of the fact that um, Death, who is my favorite side character in the show, I think this is one of the only episodes where he's voiced by Norm MacDonald. They changed that as a voice actor in later seasons. Oh, yeah, they did. I, I, it I, is the only one. I, say. I miss Norm MacDonald as Death is a great character. He, he plays it very well. Yeah, you could, like, see Norm MacDonald playing Death in, like, an actual movie or something. It's a very good take on the character. There are a lot of really good takes on the Grim Reaper in media and pop culture. And I would say this is still a decent one. Like, it's not one of the best, but it's pretty good. It reminds me a lot of um, uh, Hades from Hercules in a lot of ways. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which is funny because in later oh, seasons yeah, I could you see get that. a lot of James Woods. Yeah, yeah it's, all, it's all connected. It's all connected. And I, I regret to say that James Woods also pretty good in Family Guy. Oh, <laughs> amazing in Family Guy. Of course, guy. he's always guy. good. J- he's James a, James Woods. He's, the problem James, James Woods has never been as acting in the problem James Yeah, which Woods is a shame because he's um, the worst guy. He's, he's James Woods. Yeah, I think that about covers. I mean, there's still obviously a little bit more to talk about, but we'll get into that in the second half. But I. I think that does it for the overview of the season. We're going to take a quick break real quick, and uh, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about a few episodes in detail. But where are those good old-fashioned values? On which we used to rely. Lucky there's a family. back and uh we're going to talk about a few episodes from the series and we're gonna or the season and we're gonna focus on two in particular now i uh you know since james is our guest i uh asked him to pick out you know an episode or two to focus on i asked him what would you like to choose and seamus why don't you go over the two episodes you chose uh well the two episodes that i chose were uh da boom and e puterbus unum which I would say, I was just going to say, I think those are two of the best season episodes. Oh, absolutely, season. absolutely. Good, good picks. Yeah. Well, uh, the most they, they've been consistently my favorite since I was in high school. They still hold up. It's, it's, it's just, they're very well-written. They, they give lots of insights into the time that they were made in and also how Seth MacFarlane thinks and what he believes. Uh, for better or for worse, and they're just, they're, 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 they're damn good episodes, I think. Yeah, for all of their their flaws, yeah. I think they're like they're in many ways sort of like the ideal of Family Guy right there. I think Daboom holds up slightly better than Peter Bassoon. I also but, think but uh, Daboom is interesting because like Daboom, I think hits on a lot of the big difference between like early like pre cancellation Family Guy and modern Family Guy, which is that early pre can like pre cancellation Family Guy. Its structure is very out there plots a lot of the time, but also very sitcom-y writing and dialogue. Yes. Whereas Modern Family Guy is essentially the opposite. It's much more safe and generic plots, but its writing is way more insane. Yes. So Daboom is an interesting episode because it's really the first true high-concept Family Guy episode. Uh, so much so that they like they didn't really know how to end it, and they just kind of, you know... They, they literally end it with... <laughs> them singing left foot right foot i think that's also side. interesting because it, it contrasts with a lot of the later like high concept family guy plots where it's like the episode would have a conclusion where brian and stewie use time travel to set everything right yeah um, 
Oh yeah, I, I yeah, will see them. They do not. They do not end it with left foot, right foot. They end it with the live action yeah. sequence that reveals who is all. Oh, over, which I think is a really good ending for yeah. something that is yeah, like that yeah, high yeah. concept. Like, yeah, just go, just go all out. Like, completely break the format of the show and make the, that into like the fact that it is high concept. Into if a you're joke. gonna have like, a, a plot twist really uh, that it was all a dream, you damn well better have it be a joke and not played straight. Uh, we'll get more into that when Stewie kills Lois. But yeah, no, it's a it's a really good episode. The one thing I don't like about it, and I'm probably gonna be alone this, is that it's the first episode with the chicken fight, which has always been one of my least favorite recurring gags on the show. Oh, the chicken fight is probably my favorite recurring gag. It's one I of my actually, favorites. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle. I like the gags. I think they go on a little too much. But I think something that I noticed about this chicken gag is that it is basically unchanged from every other chicken fight in the series. Like, it's the same general structure, which is yeah. you have a bunch of, fit, like, multiple fake-out endings where you think it's on. You have a big action sequence that's over. And then it just goes back to normal in the plot. What's, what's different is that this one starts in the cutaway where later ones actually just straight up interrupt the plot. But I, I think I think the chicken fight doesn't really work as a joke, you're right. But I think it's as a just a dumb fun action sequence where they get to actually have good animation for once, because people are right when they say Family Guy was ugly. Even early Family Guy is an ugly show that's kind of poorly animated. But I, th- I think it's just, as a fun yeah. little distraction, it's good, and they never do it enough. They always only do it, like, once a season at most. I will say that it it's less... The musical numbers have the edge for being more varied, but they serve a similar purpose, which is just to pad out the runtime, basically. I would I would prefer adding adding on to what what Annie was saying. The reason why I love the chicken gags so much is because like obviously the Conway Twitty gags in later seasons are awful. There's no there's no attempt to do anything. They're just showing you a music video that they have the rights to. But the chicken gags, there's tons of animation that goes into it. There's clear effort involved, even if it's not in the surface of plot. There's interesting set pieces and ways of fighting, and it's 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 passing. It's this insane. There's there's a, there's a fight in one of the latest seasons where Peter blows up an oil rig and drowns the chicken. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and it, it is padding, but it's at least fun. Pat padding padding yeah, the chicken effort. The I, don't, I don't truly that... have, a, have a problem with in this in, in Family Guy. Yeah, I would also make the argument that I I think one of the big things that Family Guy kind of, if not like pioneered, like brought into the public consciousness is the idea of like a joke where the punchline is the length. And and I think that the chicken fights are really kind of one of the best examples that they have of that, where it's like, it's just an extended, completely unrelated, you know, scene to whatever else is going on in the show. But the joke is how elaborate it is. And and it's almost like it's almost like a Rube Goldberg machine, but the machine is just death and destruction. I like, uh, Ty, I like how you wrote in your notes about the Randy Newman joke, since I agree. It's like, it's such a family guy joke, but it's a, it's a good one where... It's really the only show that could get away with something it like really that. Works. It's also kind of mean-spirited because I like Randy Newman, but it's like, yeah, you know what? You know what? You, you, you took a good shot. I don't know what you had I mean, against Randy Newman, does. but you know what? It's funny. And also, one of the jokes where the yeah. punchline is kind of how long it goes on, which I think there is a lot of that in this episode, and it is really one of, I think, the truly unique tools also, in Also, Shane, something I just belt. realized when talking about Boot, you both picked two episodes that are, uh, are are very clear that they take place in the or in the Clinton years and not the Bush years, which a lot of the the post cancellation season takes place in. I just thought that was a fun little coincidence. No, the, there's a the, they're also they're very very of their time, yes. which was why I, I, mean, I, I they're also particular to my profession as a 
as, as a Middle East oh, journalist. The, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about, the, sub, the, we'll talk about the Saddam joke when we get to that. I also glad that Ty pointed out in her notes that uh, there's like the Y2K panic kind of running through this episode. And I, I'm always fascinated by late 90s disaster stuff where this like fear that there's a lot of the electrical grid was going to go down. It seems so ridiculous in hindsight, both just like as a concept and like something bad was going to happen just like a year and a half later. And Seth MacFarlane would be kind of involved with it, but uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, he was almost yeah, on a... Yeah, he did We'll get to that, but... Um, he, w- he was in the plane gosh, with Muhammad the, Atta was, um, in the cockpit. The, for a lot of people who maybe are too young to remember, which is including myself, Y2K was a huge fear among a lot of people. There was a movie released uh, on NBC... Uh, Y2K the movie, Imagining Nuclear Apocalypse. There were videotapes that you could buy, hosted by Leonard Nimoy, telling you how to survive Did Y2K. he talk to, to a magic rock like he did in the Laserdisc promos? Uh. No, no, unfortunately it's just a very boring VHS video. Uh, we all we all wish that he would have talked to a magical laser rock uh, to promote the Laserdisc uh, technology. However, this was an actual fear that a lot of people had, even though it doesn't make any sense as to why uh, a number bug would cause a nuclear apocalypse. But, you know, it was a thing, and uh, we, we, we thank it that now we have a Family Guy episode. Uh, I also look forward to how Family Guy will cover future predicted uh, end-of-the-world panics, like uh, 2012 or any of the various rapture predictions. I'm sure they'll age just as well. You know, this is a this is going to be a very of-its-time remark, uh, but I do want to see the Family Guy coronavirus episode. I... <sighs> the, the... Oh God! Uh, they're they're they were in the middle of the season. Yeah, so we're gonna right get now next as we speak during this yeah. season. So we're, yeah, next season, believe me, we have to get happen. multiple episodes because they're they're still in home. Guys. Like a multi-story arc. Oh, <laughs> hey Meg, you hear about this? Uh, this uh, my Sharona virus. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> I, I actually listened. Hey Joe, <laughs> that that video was so fucking cursed. I listened yeah. to it. I Same can't as, get it out of my head. Same still. as if that it's if awful. that fucking happens uh, next gee, season, Wallace. I'm going to like. I haven't coughed. I can't say what I'm going. To to do to you on this show. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, gee, Lois, I haven't caught right, this so much since I smoked All right, so why don't we head over to uh, the other episode, uh, E. Peter Bassoonum, which is, I think it's also a pretty great episode. Um, I would say it's funnier than Da Bomb, but it's Bomb a really a funny. Episode. Yeah, it's a really funny episode, and... <laughs> Well, I'm glad that we got Seamus on for this episode since there's a, a lot of references to the geopolitics of the time, so... Yes, yes, I, I, could, I could just take the reins on this, okay. So E. Peterbus Unum was produced in 2000, so it was several years after the Gulf War, obviously, in the invasion of Kuwait. But for some reason, it feels like an episode that was made, like, during the Gulf War. <laughs> it's very much kind of set in that period. There are lots of references pretty much directly um, to CNN's fantastical coverage of the Gulf War and its graphics and its its panel discussions and its attempts to construct hysteria about it and uh, real TV moments. There's also this kind of... I don't don't want to assume too much about Seth MacFarlane just because he is a Bernie Sanders supporter and I don't think he was a supporter of the Iraq War, though I couldn't find any documents on what his stance was. Uh, I wrote down... I took close notes of this episode and I wrote down uh, at around 11 p.m. last night... Seth was a... Yeah, you were a yellow fundraiser. You're a full fundraiser. No. Wait, is Seth actually That's a Bernie so wild. supporter? Well, okay, I guess there must have been a lot of writers on the show now that are not Bernie no, supporters. No, so here's the, the funny thing. Seth supported Twitter, Bernie in the 2016 election, but in the 2020 election, he supported Mayor Pete. 
That makes sense. That oh makes sense. Well, but that, I, but, anyway, that but makes anyway, sense. But anyway, I, I, I wrote down a note here. I wrote down a note here. Uh, it says, Seth MacFarlane supports crippling sanctions on Iraq? Question <laughs> mark. My, my, my point is, is that in the show, when, when uh, Peter invades Joe's pool and conquers it for Pretoria, the whole discussion for the rest of it is that they impose crippling sanctions on Pretoria, and Lois and Peter have the discussion of like, like we should think of our children. Let's get out of let's get out of uh, Joe's pool, and it's implied that this they deserve the sanctions. Pretoria deserves the sanctions because of their imperial ambitions. Which uh, I mean, I agree in the in the context of Pretoria because there's four people in the house. Yeah, but the larger implication of this being a metaphor for the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. Immediately, oh, I, there are I, concerns, because at this time, there were still crippling sanctions on Iraq that had killed hundreds of thousands of people through its effects, and this was ongoing at the time of the episode was released, so... Eh. Also, I first watched this episode in, like, 2008, 2009, so I was like, wow, this episode, even when I at least, like, 12, I was like, okay, watching this after the Iraq War, this feels really weird. Like, even 12-year-old, like, 10, 10 or 11-year-old me knew that, like, okay, this is kind of uncomfortable. I, I also, like, want to say, I think it's it's also just, like, I'm, I'm, I've been listening to Blowback Yeah, Pod, great, great uh, podcast, great podcast. Or you should listen to it if you get a chance. Uh, they, they mentioned in that that it was kind of like America's relationship with Iraq was kind of, was kind of frozen in between uh, the Gulf War and uh, 9-11. And this is kind of an episode of like that. We were just repeating the same beats over and over again because we were just waiting for an excuse to invade a, a rock. And so that like the, the characterization of Saddam in this feels gross. Even if Saddam was like an awful like real tyrant, like this like this like sort of cartoonish portrayal of him in Iraq and the way they they use uh, a Gulf War comparison to this feels. I'm not gonna say it's as bad as as the Native American stuff from last yeah. season. But yeah, I, I should I should go great. into I should go into that. So there's there's a scene where they invite all the world's dictators to the Pretoria pool that he's conquered from Joe. I, I should mention that indeed uh, Saddam Hussein is bad. Was bad. He he genocided Kurdish people in northern Iraq. Bombarded Iranians and Who his hasn't? own people with chemical weapons. But the issue is, is that Seth MacFarlane appears to just his criticism is more that like he's Arab and that he looks funny, and that also uh, the the characterization of Moormar. I, I feel like I I know I'm overanalyzing this, but this is a Peter, that's what this we is do. A family Guy now yeah. show. There's no there's no overanalyzing Family Guy. Yeah, yeah the characterization the of yeah. Muammar Gaddafi as the kind of like uh, I I kill them for not worshiping the same god as me. It's very, very, very basic. I don't want to say Gaddafi was a good guy, but his the third international theory was extre- he was a very, very complicated guy. It wasn't just also rest in peace. Also rest in peace, Castro. The, but also Castro is there, and the uh, Khamenei, not, not Khomeini, I think is there as well. Idi Amin is also there. Milosevic um, is there, I believe. Just weird. Yeah. Milosevic is there. Yeah, Milosevic is there. And uh, God, it, it's very simplistic. And there's also the um, the ululation thing, where I think that's supposed to be Chemical Ali doing the burgers, and he has um. It, it feels almost ahead of time, and that's like a very axis of evil view of like. It's, it's absolutely it's absolutely like yeah. of its time in terms of its perspective and and it's not like it's evolved at all in american dad there are tons of jokes about how women can't see out of hijabs like it, it hasn't progressed um mcfarlane mcfarlane uh, oh, is consistently very islamophobic yeah 
Yeah. I mean, he, he is a big, I think you see, especially in the later seasons, including Spencer's favorite episode, he, yes. he is a big Bill Maher fan. And I mean, God, Bill there's, a, there's an episode, Bill okay, there's an episode in the like, later there, seasons whole... where it's half of it is just a Bill Maher That's episode. what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about, yes! <laughs> there is a strain of really, of, of really kind of putrid Islamophobia that also, runs through I, I, I a lot of Also, I want to clarify something for our audience who don't watch family, maybe don't watch that much family. We're not talking about like an animated Bill Mar show appears. No, a cartoon Brian appears it's on like, a live action Bill Mar panel to talk for half yeah, of the Yeah, it's like episode. who framed Brian Griffin. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, How it's long? not like that. Sam Harris? Sam Harris? Sam Harris? Oh, Sam Harris oh you're wondering. Okay. I, I believed it, which probably. No, no but Ben Shapiro was after, after the barbecue scene, uh, they eventually reinvade and they go to the negotiating table. And Peter <laughs> attempts to get uh, sanctions relief, and he asks for a pen, which Adam West does not give him, and then uh, everything's resolved. So I, I want to go back to that a little bit because you know I mentioned earlier I, I like this episode despite you know the past what ten minutes of conversation. It's a complicated text. I think Adam West is one of the biggest reasons why I like this. wasn't his debut episode, but this was one of the first real times you got to meet Mayor Adam West. He's a little more cynical than he is in the later seasons. He's a little more Mister Burns. But he is, like, Adam West is such a good voice actor in this. He's such a great character. He, yes. Every joke he, he makes, even if it doesn't land, you just like that guy. It's He has one of the He's best He gels really well with the show since, you know, Family Guy is zany, Adam West is zany. They, like, go so well together. And their, like, different senses of humor play off, like, perfectly. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, the bad parts of the show, but there are, like, strokes of brilliance in getting Adam West to be a recurring character as himself is like perfection. I would say it is the biggest stroke of brilliance the show has ever had I, outside of Brian and Stewie's relationship I love him Adam West in this show so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Adam West character from like a more cynical point of view. It's not like there wasn't a history of bringing Adam West. He, he does it in the fairly odd right? No, like, yeah, that was uh, a big staple of yeah, but that was after this, I think. And also like the, the Simpsons episode and uh, take another shot for a Simpsons reference on good old fashioned values. But also like uh, the, the Batman, the animated series episode, like this is kind of a thing that he's only been doing for like less than a decade now. But it's it's always great to see Like, this is how I, I know Adam West. Less than sixties Batman, and more just Adam West being Adam West, and it's it's always great. Yeah. It's always no, I agree. I think you know you say that they did it first on the Simpsons, but I'll give the leg up to Family Guy since they like took the ball and ran with it a lot better. Although I do love the family, the uh, Adam West joke in the Simpsons. Other points in the episode, uh, Ty and I both uh, recognized that there was a transphobic Hillary Clinton joke. Um, where where? Not much to add to that. Just well, I guess I want to add that it that it's aged well. Yeah, I don't I don't want to be like like very PC about it, you know, for as much as that's worth. I will say knowing what's coming up, this is a difficult show. The one one of the one of the worst yeah. aspects uh, just cuz this comes in a later season. There's an episode where even despite the fact that Seth MacFarlane treats the trans characters in the series so horribly, he still yeah. uses those same trans characters that he despises to make political points for him during yeah. the Iraq war episode where Joe's son deserts. Seth uses the trans uh, war veteran to denigrate Joe's son for going AWOL in a war that he yeah. didn't oh. think was just. It is. It's, it's really maybe one of it's the really most evil. disgusting characters in, uh, it, it is, I mean, whatever. I we're, still we're love the show we, for we, what we, it is. Oh, it is, yeah. It is a deeply uncomfortable topic. 
I will say one thing that, that has aged well about Family Guy is, going forward, every time Bill Clinton appears, there is a joke about how he's either a rapist or pedophile, and I'm not even joking, that is fantastic. Thank you, Seth. It just came true. Like it- I, w- I would disagree. I would disagree only because this speaks to also just the weird relationship Seth MacFarlane has with people that he hates, because Rush Limbaugh is on a lot of episodes. But yeah. Rush Limbaugh. And, but uh, but there was um, the episode where Bill Clinton is hanging out with Peter in later in a later season. They tried to get Bill Clinton on the show to voice him. Like, Seth does not hate Bill Clinton. I, I, no, I agree. He, I, I know mean, he doesn't. But I'm saying I appreciate that as someone who does. Okay, okay. You know, for all that we said, I think we can all agree, though, that uh, that episode, E. Peter Basunum, is still, like, a pretty funny episode of television. Yeah, it's... it's One uh, of the better episodes this season, despite how a wonderfully aged it is. Um, yeah. Uh, look, look out for my 2,000-word uh, a... analysis of it as a complicated, conflicted Eastwoodian text about the uh, effects of imperialism. But no, but I mean, it, it does have like its value, like the joke where they have the headlamps on and Stewie, like while the scene oh, is going on, walks across the floor and goes, I mean, one of the best things also, that they the did Bri- the Stewie I, I have a soft Lois thing. Brian Boobat. <laughs> yeah, no, did, did they have to draw out the entire scene before they put it in dark before? I, I don't think they did that in the first season at all. So I, I think that's the first time that they actually did a joke like that. And I mean, it works. Like, it's a very I funny, just want to, sequence. before we wrap up, I want to go around to the remaining three of us, since it still is our show after all. And, <laughs> and I, I want to, we each selected an episode that we just want to make a case for as being uh, interesting enough to merit some discussion even though we don't have time with it i'll start the one i chose was called i am peter hear me roar i don't think that was a good episode at all like i said it's interesting not good and i chose this episode because the whole like point of this episode is that peter gets me too'd before me too was a thing like he just sexually harasses people and, and learning and being more and more woke about se- sexual harassment makes him an effeminate loser, and women in the workplace who, who care about that are uh, evil lesbians. Yeah, it's... Who are also glorious. Yeah, no, th- this, like, it was explicit. a really uncomfortable episode. It's really sexist. It's just not fun to watch. Uh, it's noteworthy because there's a recursive cutaway. Like, it cuts away to something that already happened in the episode, yeah, one it of the also best jokes had a couple of jokes in it. I forget which ones that it were just like genuinely extremely funny. The the calling quagmire that that one got me a little bit. Yeah, it's you know like a lot of Family Guy, it's not unfunny. It's just really really also awful. hate to bring it up, but Simpsons did it better. Homer Badman is a way better take on this kind of episode from a more mature angle. Yep, Andy, what was your episode gonna be? My episode, I, I had trouble picking, but I finally settled on on the 20th episode, Wasted Talent, because, okay, so we talked in season one about how a lot of episodes just kind of didn't have structure and went from joke to joke to joke. This episode is different in that it has structure, in that it has three completely unrelated acts that are self-contained and full. So the first act is... Peter dealing over and and trying to get a pool because he's jealous of his neighbors who got tax write-offs or uh, tax rebates or whatever. No, that's, isn't that the that's, Peter Yeah, that was I, I don't that. think that's this episode. That, that's it? the first ep- like part was of the it? episode. And then the, the second part of the episode is Pawtucket Pat. The, the Pawtucket Pat part is, is the first 
like half to second third of this episode is a Willy Wonka parody, and I'll, and I'll give credit where credit's due. It's a decent parody. It, it, it hits all the, the good jokes you want it to. But then for, for the final part, it transitions into a story about Lois getting Peter drunk so he can win a piano competition for her because oh yeah i thought those were two separate episodes yeah, at first yeah. but apparently they're the same thing. see what i mean like, see they, what they I seem mean? like completely different plot lines that don't fit in yeah as yeah but the reason why she needs to get him drunk is because he's only good at playing the piano when drunk and like i kind of like all three of the or two or three of these like stories but they don't work together i think there's a lot of good stewie jokes i think this episode's really good because you get more of the conniving lois that, that you get in later seasons and i like that more but again it's really weird also this episode's kind of funny in hindsight because it, it points the brewery uh as this kind of magical willy wonka-esque factory whereas in later episodes and like i think season five is the first episode peter goes to work for the brewery and it's like a normal like a normal job that he has and, and I think that's, it's really funny in hindsight, like, Pawtucket Pat is just a mascot. But yeah, I wouldn't say it's as nearly as bad as an episode as, as Spencer's. But, and, and it does have a lot of good jokes. I like the, the, the Stewie Incredible Hulk piano joke. That really works. But it's just, it is not a coherent episode of television. Yeah. And also, good joke, uh, the kind of Looney Tunes one where it's like, they tell the cops to run away. Yes. I Family Guy can lean into its cartoony side in like small doses and it works really well. Ty, what were you going to pick? Uh, so I picked episode 15, Damn It, Janet, which is all about, on one hand, it is a very unmemorable plot about uh, Peter and Lois going on airplanes. Oh, uh, yeah. Which I did not, yeah. I, I did not, not get much out of. Um, but the other one was about Stewie falling in love with one of his toddler classmates and trying to win her in a way that feels very much like it would yeah. be in a rom-com or something, which I thought was just a very interesting yeah, evolution of Stewie's character because it is really a big seismic shift from Stewie as the supervillain and more Essential. Stewie as just this kind of... Someone older than his years. Yeah, an eccentric old British man who fucks. And, like, he fucks a lot. And that is something that the show really wants you to know is that Stewie Griffin, the baby, fucks. But, I mean, it had a lot of stuff that was very enjoyable, even if I don't think it was a particularly strong episode in general. But I, I just, I liked it because it showed that Stewie could be more than this vessel for jokes about mad science or you know dr evil before dr evil also i love the little sinatra song in it um which for, i mean seth MacFarlane loves sinatra i think we'll this was a very good use and he is genuinely sinatra an incredibly talented episodes. singer I, I do like how you pointed out that there isn't much potential for stewie to interact with other toddlers they can't say anything. Like, Stewie is kind of a dialogue heavy character. Which is funny, because a big reoccurring plot of more modern family guys that Stewie's, like, going to preschool, which is something I wanted to point out in the first season that I never really got the chance is the Griffins actually, like, the Griffin kids actually age, like, two or three years over the course of the series, and I just find that a little interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Chris I'm, is 13 in these early seasons, and I think and Meg's by like a newer sophomore seasons, or it's like junior, 15 or 16. Like, you know, where she's a senior nowadays. Uh, and then she's 17 in the new... Yeah, no, I, I think that Stewie interacting... Like, going back to that, I think Stewie interacting with 
preschoolers works a little bit better if only because they can hold a conversation even if they're not on his like intellectual level but having him with babies who literally either can't talk or can say one word it's funny once but then there's nowhere you can go with that because you literally cannot build new plots besides Stewie is the one plot you can have from it is Stewie is tricked into yeah, thinking that I, these are you know, people it's in a later not... season I don't remember if it's like a good episode or not but I do think it was smart that one of the episodes where they had Stewie interact with another toddler it was like another like evil toddler basically yeah I mean and yeah. they've had that a couple times with Bertram and with Olivia and with uh, I think the uh, and the it, it, they're other smart to just British add one. like more evil like smart kids than rather than just do the whole like oh Stewie's a weird toddler which they never really explain and I know they don't have to because the show doesn't care about continuity but it is weird that that is just always just like a plot point it's just like cartoon. how Brian can yeah. just talk it's just fine but before we wrap up well, I don't I know if you've noticed this talk about, but uh, it is let's a go cartoon. to the hop not to anything say anything analysis but the episode is Peter goes undercover as a, as a high school student. And is like instantly like one of the one of the one of the cool kids. I find that interesting. Just yeah. I, I, I just want to bring oh, that up yeah. real quick because it's, yes. it's in, I find it interesting. Like outside of how creepy some of the aspects of the episodes are. Oh, that's oh, that's great. That's great. One, it introduced most of the the Lando's cast. Um, and two, that episode could not work today because yeah. like all of the plot points are Peter was a loser in high school. Like that's a very consistent thing is that young Peter was a yeah. loser. So yeah, I think that about does it for the season. Um... Uh, hold on, sorry. I want to do add one more thing about Let's Go to the Hop. I think part of the joke of calling him Lando Griffin is that, oh, haha, he thinks Star Wars is a cool thing. If I met someone today named Lando, yeah. I would think he was the coolest he, also, motherfucker Lando I have ever met. probably my favorite uh, original trilogy Star Wars character, so... Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, oh, he's a nerd, you know, haha. You thought me. Oh, Lando's great name. Lando's, Lando's great name. No, no disagreement. You know, would be a yeah. cool, you know, make him a cool guy. It's a cool name. Like now, it is a. I um, I think like the, that it era is a was like the name. peak yeah. of like making fun of Star Wars nerds. Um, just before, like, you know, it's when the prequels are out, but it's yeah. still like everyone hates the prequels. Comic book guy. So it's like the perfect yeah. time to needle Star Wars nerds before you know prequel reclamation started to become like more of a thing well actually spencer this is like like the thing is you're actually a little later in the timeline that would be more like around 2005 2006 right now like there wasn't a lot of like immediate phantom menace backlash because again like critics actually really liked phantom menace it's more like prequel hate sort of slowly didn't really kick in until like episode two it was like yeah no menace sucks and clones yeah no i mean i just know that there was a ton of like you know pre-release hype for phantom menace so and it was a very nerd thing to do since early days of the internet so and it's before disney bought like star wars and now being a star wars nerd is just like a normal thing well now now no one's into star wars because disney well, that killed too. all enthusiasm but sure. yeah no anyways so i think that about does it for the season I want to say that, you know, for all we've said, it is a much better season than season one. Um, jury's still out as to whether or not I prefer season three or not, but it, it's it's not like a bad season of TV or anything. It's like... Yeah, I mean, if you're not watching it all in yeah, two days, yeah. it's engaging. Do not binge Go watch it. a couple just episodes. Just watch this, like, yeah. yeah, like, like when you're <laughs> trying to wind down at night, just, like, open a beer and then watch, like, a couple of season two Family Guy. It's certainly better than what was going on with The Simpsons at the time. Jesus. And, yeah. uh, you know, when I was watching season one of Family Guy, I was like, I have no idea how this show became, like, a cult phenomenon because, like, with Adult Swim, it's, like, so just not even there. Watching season two, 
I'm starting to get yeah, it more. I'm starting to get like why why this show survived on Adult Swim, and uh, hopefully that will continue into season three. Uh, do you all? L- I imagine it will. I remember season three has at least a couple. Of what do you all? Episodes. Do you all have anything to add? Uh, I I I uh, I, I just want to. Yeah, I'll I'll. I'll <laughs> this was a miserable experience recording this podcast. Uh, obviously, um, you all you all are wonderful. I have no complaints. Right. However. Um, oh, this is, is a traumatic experience, and I, uh, I want it to end. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know, we will never ask you to come on and do a full season, but if you do, if you do, we'll probably have you just talk about, like, a, a small handful of episodes. We'll never yeah, there, there are, there are some good episodes that I do want to talk about, if, if Spencer will allow But me. never the uh, season binge again. <laughs> no, that's, that's no, terrible. God, no, this, this was awful. <laughs> do you have anything to add, Ty? Uh, I don't know if it would work, but I think it'd be really cool if you, like, filled a water balloon with gasoline and then put, like, a wick in it and then lit it and made it, like, a... Because I feel like the rubber right, would not a, let it really be a real firebomb, but I think that'd be really episode. cool. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we're still keep... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad... I, um, is the Anarchist cookbook... Okay, All right, um... um is the Anarchist... Is the what? Have, I, okay. I don't know, I'm not an Anarchist. Well, no, I want to do... I, that wasn't my bit, I was just asking her. <laughs> My bit is, um, like, comments, uh, uh, just, I don't know, just <laughs> yeah. watch the show, let us know if you think, yeah. follow, yeah, follow, follow our the Twitter, please, also. we need all the followers we can get, even if Spencer does post a lot of cursed family All the family, family guy, guy clips. clips I post are certified bangers, I don't know what you're talking about. Alright, that is, uh, that's gonna be it for this week, uh, thank you Seamus for joining us, um, this is sure to be the highlight of wherever your career takes you, um. Oh, it's good, oh, so also, I need to plug, I need to oh, plug. Oh, go ahead. Um. Yeah, uh, you can find my actual serious content um, on my website. You can find all the articles I've written about um, jihadi movements and Middle Eastern geopolitics and propaganda movements and regime change efforts. You can find it on my website, Seamus-Malakafsalid.com. Uh, Spencer will put it down in the bio because it's long. Uh, I also post most of my stuff on my Twitter, at Seamus underscore Malik, M-A-L-E-K. Uh, and yeah... Thanks, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for having me on as well. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to have you on, Seamus. Thank you, you so great much. Uh, I hope your career on Family Guy as a pirate continues, and I'll let Rose with Teeth play us out again. All right, see ya. See ya. Bye bye. Bye. Positively can't do all the things that make